A 2018 study from the Music Industry Research Association found that 50% of musicians reported battling symptoms of depression. That's compared with less than 25% of the general adult population. We wanted to find out why. I'm George Bodarki, and this is Untangling the Chords, a podcast from WFUV News and Sound Mind Live, focusing on the relationship between music and mental health. In this podcast, mental health experts, advocates, and musicians will share their expertise and experiences on the issue of mental health and provide practical advice on how to handle mental health challenges. On today's episode, we're talking with Matt Kudish, Executive Director of NAMI NYC Metro, an organization dedicated to building better lives for those affected by mental illness. They do this through education, raising public awareness, and offering resources to those who need assistance. Matt, thanks so much for taking the time to talk with me. Happy to be here, George. So when we talk about mental health, what are we talking about specifically? Yeah, mental health is a really broad uh, category. And I think that it's important that we realize that we all have mental health. If you have a brain, you have mental health. And sometimes your mental health is uh, strong and uh, healthy. And other times, uh, maybe you are struggling or ill. But it is a continuum that all of us move along uh, every day. And then when you think about mental illness or mental health challenges, there's a continuum there as well in terms of the kinds of conditions, the ways in which they may affect you, uh, the ways in which the world around you may impact where you fall on that continuum in the same way that, that the world around us may affect where we fall on our general mental health continuum. So I think, I think that's, it's, it's sort of a broad category, a broad um, umbrella term, um, but essentially it just talks about the way in which we're able to function uh, and, um, uh, and recognize that it's not static, it's, it's actually quite dynamic. That said, what would you say are among the biggest misconceptions when it comes to mental health? Some of the biggest misconceptions is the sheer number of people who are, are living with mental health challenges. Uh, and I think um, another, another misconception is that there's one size fits all approach to understanding mental health or mental illness. The, the fact of the matter is if you've met one person who struggled with mental illness, you've met one person. So the ways in which we may, we may you know, uh, know a group of people who all live with the same diagnosis, perhaps, but the ways in which their symptoms will manifest and the ways in which those symptoms will affect that individual would look very different among all of us who may be living with that same diagnosis. So in some cases, that's challenging because we think we can generalize what we know about mental illness uh, when in fact that may just be my experience with a particular condition or a particular mental health challenge. And I think another challenge, there are, there are a lot of, of misconceptions, but I think that, that one more that I would mention is uh, that sometimes people think that there isn't anything that they can do about the fact that they are struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, if you think about the way in which we, we deal with a cold, um, some of us take medicine right away, others sort of grin and bear it and tolerate a little bit of discomfort. 
if you are experiencing you know, a low level of anxiety or perhaps a low level of depression, you may not even realize what it is that you are, are struggling from because anxiety and depression, by example, don't always manifest in the exact same ways, as I was saying before. It's, not, it's really you know, very individualized. But we also may not recognize that, that there are things that we can do to, to, to get better. Uh, the way we sort of tolerate that discomfort as opposed to taking action to do something to to treat it or to treat the symptoms. I think we see a lot of people grinning and bearing it or trying to sort of will their way out of how it is that they're that they're feeling. Matt's words are especially important today as the U.S. is currently experiencing what some have called a mental illness epidemic. Depression diagnoses have surged rapidly in the last 10 years, and the CDC estimates over 1 million Americans attempted to end their own lives in 2018. With COVID-19 a lingering threat, the depths of these numbers have now become more uncertain. Researchers are unlikely to know the true impact of the coronavirus pandemic on the nation's mental health for months, but informing people on when to seek help may combat negative effects. I questioned Matt on how to identify mental health challenges and what to do when we recognize a problem. So I think a good way to think about that is really understanding warning signs and paying attention so that if we are struggling with some of the more common warning signs around mental health challenges, that we reach out to a professional and get, uh, get some, some solid professional advice to find out, is what I'm feeling normal? A am I dealing with a mental health issue? Are there treatments that may be beneficial? And you know, what are those treatments and how do I access them? I think until we, we start asking questions about what it is we're feeling and how what we're feeling is affecting our daily life, it can be really difficult to understand what's causing those feelings and if there's anything that we can do about it. What are among the warning signs we should watch out for? There are a number of, um, of warning signs that are, are uh, published as uh, things to look for through the lens of, of mental health challenges. And a lot of them have to do with changes in behavior. So changes in attentiveness or changes in your socialization. So um, perhaps you're withdrawing from friends or from activities that have historically brought you pleasure. You're, you're, you're not participating in those same activities. There's a loss of interest where there used to be a higher level of interest. Changes in your behavior. So someone acting in ways that are inconsistent with who this person, how this person has behaved in the past. Uh, changes in sleeping or eating can be warning signs for mental mental illness. Uh, changes in mood, you know, very um, kind of significant mood swings or mood changes can be uh, can be warning signs. Um, substance use and, and substance abuse and and changes in the way you you take care of yourself, your personal hygiene. Um, these are those are all warning signs. But really, what what we're looking at here is. Uh, a, a difference in the way that someone is acting or behaving or experiencing the world than the ways in which that individual may have acted or experienced the world uh, in the past. And so if you're experiencing those changes, it doesn't necessarily mean you're living with a mental illness, but it could mean that you'd want to consult with a professional, whether it's your general practitioner, your doctor, it's a good place to start, even if that's not their specialization, because especially if you have 
a longer history with this provider. They know you well. They know what your baseline, your previous level of functioning had been. And they might be able to weigh in on, on uh, a recommendation around exploring uh, maybe talk therapy with a therapist or maybe medication uh, and other interventions with a psychiatrist or another medical professional. Um, I don't, you know, I've been asked when I, when we talk about this, uh, people say, well, how many of these warning signs should I have before I go and, and, you know, get some help or look, look to speak with a doctor. Um, and I think if you're worried about what's going on for you, the best thing you can do is to go and talk to somebody who works with people who are dealing with these kinds of issues, um, on a very regular basis. Yeah. I guess if you're even asking that question there's probably reason that you should follow up with somebody. Yeah, and the, you know, what, what's wrong with them coming back and saying, oh, you know, it, 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 I don't believe that there is a mental health problem here. I wonder if it's um, something going on in your diet or, I mean, there are lots of things that cause those same kinds of, of things that I, I mentioned when I talked about warning signs. So it's not an if then, uh, correlation, but if you're experiencing changes or you're concerned, um, then it at least ask the question. Um, at, at the best, they say, no, there, it doesn't seem that there's anything going on with you. Let's explore other things that may be causing those same kinds of, of issues. I think some people are more inclined to do that for a physical ailment. They'll go to the doctor and say, hey, is this anything? But not necessarily for their mental well-being, right? It's harder. It is, for some reason, it is, it, there's a real, we, as a society, we view physical illnesses and mental illnesses in, in very different ways as far as the stigma uh, associated with, with these kinds of issues. And it's a real shame because what that does is it keeps people in the shadows. If, if, if I feel that I will be stigmatized or you know, become the other by talking about uh, the changes that are going on in, in, in my mood, uh, then I'm probably going to be less willing to have those kinds of conversations, which means I'm going to be dealing with those issues uh, very likely, you know, for longer. Um, and that goes back to, to the misconception that I mentioned earlier, which is, me you know, mental illnesses in many cases um, have effective treatments, which doesn't mean that you can cure them all, uh, but we know that there are interventions that have meaningful outcomes for people to have an improved quality of life. Um, and and at anything that stands in the way from people connecting with those interventions and those resources uh, is really problematic. Problematic environments and poor lifestyle choices have long been understood as causes of stress and mental illness on a level comparable to genetic factors. Financial burdens and feelings that hard work isn't paying off can have a profound effect on an individual's mental well-being. A field like the music industry comes with a lot of uncertainty and volatility. When's the next big gig going to come in? Or if you are on tour, life on the road can be a bumpy one. It's an interesting question and one that uh, I think we continue to try and, and find more meaningful answers to. Uh, I think some of the things that come to mind for me are it's an incredibly challenging profession to be a musician and, and make a, a living in that way. Uh, you are, you know, you're vulnerable and you are exposed. And in many cases, you're dealing with a tremendous amount of rejection you are often working multiple jobs in order to support yourself while still being able to pursue your craft. And so there's, there's stress 
they're around um, financial resources and um, making sure that you have uh, insurance to get your medical needs met and you're exhausted because you're working three jobs while also going and, and going to you know, perform uh, maybe at late night at a, at a certain venue. Um, and then I think when you think about other challenges of, of that, that lifestyle, it can be particularly lonely. If you're on the road a lot, you're disconnected from your more traditional support networks, you are um, now with social media and, and, and the internet, um, there's constant and consistent uh, criticism on social media. Um, and, and so much of it is, is not necessarily tied to how talented you are, but it's a, it's a business. So there are other things at play that can also make it uh, really difficult uh, for musicians, I think. Um, but it's, it's a lifestyle that in and of itself, I think, could certainly have uh, some triggering effects for things like anxiety and depression and, and other, perhaps other mental health challenges as well. But while working in the music industry can pose risks to an individual's mental health, Matt says music itself has extraordinary healing effects when used the right way. Well, and we think about it, uh, it the, it's, it's the actual music uh, and the makeup of music um, that uh, really, if you think about music, it, it's, it's sort of this shared language that um, we all can uh, look to as a, uh, to share an understanding. And music and the brain is actually incredibly fascinating. You know, our brain's very complex organ. And in many cases, um, it's segmented, by which I mean there are, are very specific regions of the brain that are responsible for very specific functions. But music actually affects multiple parts of the brain, and it sort of transcends that compartmentalization that we often see in the brain. I think the best way to kind of explain that in, in terms that most everyone can understand is when you hear, ever hear a particular song and all of a sudden you're transported to another time. So you know, you're, you're, you know it's 20 years earlier and you're at camp or you know, and surrounded by, you can you see all the people around you, you can smell the air, you can connect with the emotions that were going on for you at that time. Uh, and so music can be incredibly powerful. Uh, and it can be, you know, beneficial to our mental well-being. It could also be challenging. Um, you know, music is, is, when you think about soundtracks to movies or, or shows or opera, you can tell through the tone and the music or the key in the music or the rhythm or the volume, the emotion that is being conveyed. Uh, and so there's, there's music that we listen to that can be, uh, can enhance our mood and that could lead to greater productivity. Uh, and there's also music that can be a distraction uh, and that could perhaps um, cause some, some anxiety or, or distress. And I think it's important to know what kind of music causes us to have different emotions so that we can use music really deliberately in order to uh, kind of try and affect the mood that we are looking for, if that makes sense. 
The relationship between music and mental health is certainly a tangled one. As we've heard, music can be good for our mental health, but working as a musician can lead to challenges like anxiety and depression. Next week, we'll work to keep untangling this issue when we talk with Hilary Gleason of Backline, an organization that connects music industry professionals and their families to mental health support. Thank you for listening to Untangling the Chords. If you or someone you know is struggling with a mental health issue, we have a list of free resources at soundmindslive.org resources. Our writer is Anthony Alimo, and our music is courtesy of Blue Dot Sessions. I'm George Boldarki. See you next time.